Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID. I'm a Black American, I'm an educator, and I'm a writer. So the reason why I started this podcast is because when the COVID-19 pandemic started in 2020, when it came to New York, I kept hearing on the news that Black Americans were disproportionately affected by the virus. And then between 2020 and 2021, I attended no less than eight funerals on Zoom with my mother, who's also a Black American. She's Jamaican American. And then when I spoke to my friends who are not Black Americans, I learned that most did not know anyone who had succumbed to COVID and they were all really surprised that I knew so many who had. So I started this podcast because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about loved ones or friends or acquaintances who they sadly lost to COVID-19. Um, I wanted to put names and faces to the stories about these Black Americans. And then as I spoke to friends and family who didn't know anyone who had passed away, I wanted to know their experience as a Black American during the COVID-19 pandemic. I wanted to know um, how they felt about the mask mandate, how they felt about the vaccine, how they felt about staying at home. So I was curious to know if, if their city and state location affected how they felt about the vaccine and the mask mandate. I was also curious to know if they had any historical distrust of the American government, because as most Black Americans are, know that there was one of the infamous um, unethical studies that, that white Americans did on Black Americans was the Tuskegee syphilis study where nearly 400 Black American men went untreated by their doctors, even though there was a treatment for syphilis and they just watched them succumb to the illness. So um, it's my goal to create an oral history of the Black American experience during the COVID-19 pandemic and also to memorialize the Black Americans who lost their lives. So I'm really excited to say that today, I will be speaking with Johan the American and engaging in a conversation and asking questions about his experience and his Black experience during the COVID-19 pandemic. So hi, Johan. <laughs> hi, thanks for having me. Thank you. I, so can you start with uh, your moniker, Johan the American? Like why, um, why that is your moniker? <laughs> um. I think uh, I was I was trying to come up with a really fancy name, and you know I thought about it, and um, this the, the idea is just me being American, and uh, as I travel, like people was like, "Yo, oh, it's the American," or "Oh, it's like a little lot of like Spanish-speaking countries." So I'd be like, "Oh, Americano," you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was just like, you know, and I'm a very simple person, so I was just like, you know, let me just put my name, Joanne the American. I was hoping that maybe like at a later date something else would have came, but the more I said it, the more it stuck with me. So it's where I am. I like it. It's it's poetic. Thank you. And where are you from? I'm from Queens, Jamaica, New York. Um, born and raised, been here 30 years. I've moved around a couple of times. 
My family is Haitian. Yeah. Um, we came, well, my mom's, we've been here since like back and forth since like the 50s, 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom decided that she wanted to come. She came here from Europe. She was in Europe for a while and she came here um, in the early 80s. Okay. So do you identify as Caribbean American or Black American or do you ever say like African American? Uh, I definitely don't say African American. Um, mm-hmm. um, I uh, personally identify as American without the prefix. Um, so I just, for me, like, I think there's a, uh, a separation where people will, uh, particularly if you're a person of color, or you're black, uh, we, we have to put like this word in front to qualify our American, mm. you know what I mean? But with people of European descent, you know, there's not a, a question of, oh, are you German American? Or are you, you know, even like when somebody asks you where you're from, and you say I'm from Queens, and they're like, no, but where are you really from? It's mm. like, there's an idea that you don't belong here. So I identify as American, you know, like uh, when I travel the world, like they refer to me, they, they don't say like you're a black American, they just call you an American, you know? That's so true. I respect that. That's true. Cause I studied in Spain and they would call me Americana. Like, yeah, they didn't call me, I don't know, Negrita Americana. Yeah. All right. Wow. Huh, okay. And how, so I guess I'll jump around. So how do you feel about the COVID-19 vaccine? Like, do you trust it? Do you not? Uh, I mean, I, I didn't initially, first for me, I thought it was like an amazing human like endeavor, right? We had a worldwide pandemic, you know, the world came to a standstill and from home, and a few people that were able to move around, they were able to build a vaccine in like almost under a year, mm-hmm. right? So like just seeing like mankind come together to solve a problem like that, like first time in human history, like, so this is unheard of. So I was blown away by that. The, the idea that we made a vaccine and normally it takes 10 years to, to, you know, to get it qualified and, you know, now we were ready to produce out in a year. I didn't necessarily, I wasn't a fan of it upon hearing it but i did some of the reading i did some of the research you know the the technology for the mrna vaccine had been out for a while mm-hmm. so i got comfortable with it you know i'm an engineer by trade so i can read the white paper and see see what's going on mm. so did you can i ask like i got the vaccine did you decide to get it or would you rather not say Oh, I I got it. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to wait till my employer forced me to get it, mm-hmm. just just in the event of from a, like a liability standpoint. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Not to say that you know the the skepticism that I did have was just like, yo, just wait till somebody tells you to do it. So if in the event at the you know one percent chance something happens, you can blame it on them. Like, yo, this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you think strategically. So then how do you feel about the mask mandate in New York? And it was recently lifted, I think. I think the I think the mask mandate, you know, was a great idea. I mean, if we're looking at people that um
okay. I just noticed that um, Johan has dropped off. So um, while I'm waiting for him to hop back into, oh, here he is. And he's coming in back to, oh, there you are. Yeah, sorry, my yeah. phone. It's all good, I've got a cliffhanger. Hold on. Sorry. No, it's all good. It's like a plot twist. All right. You hear me now? Yeah, yeah. You were talking about awesome. the, um, the mask mandate. But yeah, I think I thought the mask mandate was the, like the, the best thing we did, like, you know, between that and the vaccine. I mean, if you're looking at how um, uh, Asia dealt with SARS in the early 2000s, mm. mass is what helped keep transmission down to help, you know, um, that mass, having people wear masks in society helped overall viral, bring overall viral, viral spreading down altogether. So I'm like, okay, yeah, wear the mask. The reason why people want to, Take the mask off for me is is baffling. I mean, I feel like everybody has their reasons. I'm not disparaging anybody, but like, you know, wearing a mask to go from my car to the store to get what I gotta get and walk out, I was cool with that. I'm still gonna wear the mask. That makes sense. And you're such a logical thinker. Like, I feel like engineers think about cause and effect. It's it's not emotional for you. Right. I mean, I mean, when you think about it, if everybody wears a mask, not only do we protect against COVID, but all the other things that we spread to each other on a daily basis, mm. you know, and if, and if something else pops in years from now, we're already wearing masks. So the people transmission for a new virus a decade from now, two decades from now, if we already have a culture of wearing masks, we're, we're, we're coming in with a, with a built-in protection. But like to go back to how things were, because you know, you don't want to wear a mask. It's like, uh, I mean, I understand this is America and the idea of a mandate is very like un-American. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I, did, I thought the mask was a good idea. Yeah, I felt the same way. But yeah, I can see how Americans want the right to choose. But yeah, I see both sides. Right. So now the next questions are, I guess are more personal. If you know someone, who got COVID um, and if they passed, if you'd want to share a story about them? Absolutely. Um, uh, I've known a few people that have gotten COVID and passed. Uh, I, uh, I have a, well, early on during COVID, I, we volunteered at uh, a veteran's uh, nursing home nearby, right? I'm a veteran. So early on when COVID first started spreading, you know, the way the state was handling like COVID procedures and stuff, we started seeing a lot of people like elderly pass away in a veteran's home. Mm -hmm. But even more so than that, like a lot of my friends are city workers, right? Bus drivers, train people. Um, I started seeing a lot more like Facebook posts of, you know, rest in peace to so-and-so, so-and-so was to come from COVID. And I think like COVID for us, a lot of people don't really think about their health. You know, especially like when you're working 50 hour weeks and you're just eating like fast food and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And people who, you know, don't normally go to the doctor or don't have the time 
to, to eat healthy. They were severely affected by COVID. People that already had asthma and things like that. So, like, I've seen a lot of people, like, uh, a lot of the people that were affected personally for me were people that, like, I don't think they knew that they had underlying conditions just because they, mm-hmm. you know, they never really went to the doctor like that. Mm-hmm. So it caught a lot of us by surprise. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so-and-so passed away. And it was like, what, well, from COVID? Like, you know what I mean? So even even when they were saying early on, like, oh, it was a it was an older person's disease, you know, people passing away in their 40s, maybe, you know, COVID has acerbated an existing condition, like, you know, and they weren't able to come out from it. So mm. early on, early on. Personally, for me, you know, outside of, like, those people, my, uh, like uh, my cousin, you know, she's somebody now that I deal with all the time because of COVID. Not because of COVID. Well, definitely because of COVID. COVID was a catalyst, right? So her father and her brother, now they didn't pass away from COVID, but like during that time period of COVID, they already had medical conditions, right? So they were able to quarantine and stay protected, but all their medical procedures were pushed back, right? And the pushback, her father, uh, her brother passed away first. Uh, he was having issues getting a dialysis and he was on dialysis and he was supposed to have a surgery. And now normally it would have been like, you know, an easy thing, but because of COVID, they kept pushing it back and it became life threatening and he passed away, you know? So, and him, him passing away, I think her father passed away shortly after that. He had to be hospitalized or something. And that was the other, the tough part too, because, he had to be hospitalized. He didn't necessarily catch COVID, but he ended up being by himself for, for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks. Because like during that time period, once you once you were hospitalized, none of your loved ones could come see you. Yeah. And this is somebody, you know, who normally sat in the house. So he ended up passing away. So wow. now she she's my cousin. So and she's a few blocks away. So when it happened, you know, uh, you know, I reached out, whatever. And um, now that she's by herself, you know, it's like, you know, I'm checking in more and, and we, we built a relationship because now I'm like constantly checking in like, oh, you okay? You all right? You know, what's going on? But she lost a whole family, you know, in, in, a, in a six month period. Now, she's not somebody that would like, COVID didn't kill them directly, but indirectly, just like how with the way the hospital structure was in our neighborhood and, you know, procedures, like it's, it, they couldn't get to the medical attention they needed. So, yeah, that's a... Uh, wow. It's like a ripple effect. Even though they right. COVID, the way the system is structured, they weren't able to get their, their needs met. Right. Wow. And then they succumbed to illnesses they wouldn't normally have succumbed to. Right. Wow. I'm sorry for your loss. And I also want to say thank you for your service. What part of the military did you serve in? I was in the army. I was in the army eight years from uh, 2006 to 2014. Amazing. Wow. I didn't realize you were in the army. My dad was in the air force back um, during Vietnam, which he requested to go to. I learned, so he was stationed in Arkansas and he said the racism was so bad. He requested to go to Vietnam. They sent him to, to Germany instead. That's why my name is S-O-N-J-A. It's the German spelling. Right. Um, but thank you for your service. Um, is that where why you decided to become an engineer? Uh, no, I was I was a lifelong 
like IT person. Like my my mom said, I used to like man. I used to cope like manage DOS, open programs in MS DOS yeah. before I could like before I could read. She's like, I don't understand how you did it, but you just memorize like the keyboard strokes and be able to open things and play games. So I've always been like a uh, a tinker. You know what I mean? Like in kindergarten, I would fix the computer in the back of the class so I can play games on it and stuff. You know what I mean? So. So when I joined the army, because I always been behind a terminal, um, always been behind a screen, I wanted to do something that was totally left of that. So uh, I joined the infantry and was just like, let me just go, let me go learn how to survive type thing. Oh, you were a soldier. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. I just assumed you were like an intelligence. Um, No, because I already, I already feel like I had a career outside because I was already like. In IT, I was ready. I was. I joined when I was like 20, um, 20, 21. Mm-hmm. I had already done, I was with like Best Buy Geek Squad. So I knew I had a thing to come back to. I didn't need the army to teach me another skill. I wanted to learn how to like shoot and survive and, and be in tough climates. Wow. I have so much respect for people serving the military. Wow. Thank you. Okay, so let's pivot to, um, so how do you feel about working in person? Like, were you working in person during 2020 and 2021? Uh, we, we, I would say like 30 to 40% in person, just because, you know, IT, most of our job can be remote. So I don't necessarily need to, to be there for all things, but certain things like handing out equipment or if something is physically broken and you have to fix it, you have to be on site. Mm-hmm. So early on, it was like, uh, you know, a biohazard type thing. People would drive up, throw out, you know, put their uh, laptops on the floor, walk away from it. And then we would walk up to it, like, wow. <laughs> like we spray it down and stuff, wipe it before we started working with it. Because, you know, we didn't know, and nobody knew in the first few months of COVID, nobody really understood the severity of it or what it right. was. So, um, and we weren't able to come to a full standstill. So we had to just be super cautious. Oh, that's but, right. Because IT, it's like you make the business run, basically. Like everything right. online. Right. So when everybody went home, our jobs doubled because now we're trying to support this new infrastructure that people are creating by being at home and not being in the office, but the offices still need to be, you know, maintained if in the event people, if they're expecting people to come back, things like that. And then during that, in the interim of that time period, organizations have made so many changes to how they do their IT business. So like we've been working, (laughs) you know, people being at home, like your IT person has never stopped. (laughs) <laughs> you know it's been intense these last three years for IT wow you know I remember like so at the beginning of the pandemic everybody was wiping down groceries they were like taking like they would like step into the house take off the shoes shoes take off their coat because like you said we didn't know um how the virus was transmitted so like in the news right. they're saying like wipe down everything I mean right. it was intense right wow. it was an intense period Wow. I never thought about that. So your work doubled. Yeah. Absolutely. Because when people got home, 
not only did they need assistance in connecting with their stuff at home, but they needed to like, um, the, the systems weren't really built to have that many people at home. So we needed to do upgrades on our side too. You know what I mean? And that's, I would imagine that all organizations that normally didn't have this much remote work on the back end, when you're trying to like access a internal resource from your company uh, or organization, that's like behind a firewall. And the idea of having, where normally you would have people in the office, let's say on the right side of the firewall. So you have all the infrastructure there to support that. Everybody downloading stuff and going to email, stuff like that. On the left side of the firewall, you might have people like people from the outside, maybe one or two. So you're not, you don't have the same systems there to support large scale connections. Mm -hmm. Now, when you, when you switch it, you have to like develop and build for now people being at home. There was a time period in 2000, all the um, Verizon and all the internet companies, the telecom companies, you know, they had to upgrade all their systems also because they normally they would uh, shorten your bandwidth during the middays when everybody's at work, right? In order to reduce the, uh, uh, the load on the systems and stuff. But now with everybody being at home, they're not giving all that bandwidth to, to buildings and, and corporate structures. They have to send it back to residential places. So like early on in COVID, I know if you remember, like there was a time period where the internet sucked. Yes. Things were slow. It was so slow. Right. Yeah. Right. Because everybody was at home, right? And Verizon, all the major telecom companies, they didn't have the back end stuff. Like remember I said the right side of the firewall. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's on the left side of the firewall, which is the outside. So it's like you got to build out now to be able to support all that, right? So they work, their IT people, their telecoms people, their satellite people, double and triple over time, trying to get, you know, the world back on its feet. Wow, I didn't know that. That was also around the time. I don't know if your company, like I was teaching, so we were using Zoom and it was before the mm-hmm. university bought a professional license. So we had like mm-hmm. personal Zoom accounts and people were getting like Zoom bombs. I mean, it was like <laughs> the wild, wild west because as teachers, we're like, we didn't know anything about like technical stuff. Um, right. So like, did your company use Zoom or Microsoft Teams? Or do they have like meetings online? Or do they have Zoom bombers? I, well, you know, we didn't have Zoom bombers because then you know, everybody's an employee, you could be fired. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But uh, we definitely had people that didn't understand that the camera was on, you know? And <gasps> Is there anything and- you can share? Uh, I mean, you know, people, people, you know, not being fully dressed or having family members in the background not being fully dressed as they're moving about yeah. and stuff. You know what I mean? So, but it's it's a change in culture because normally you don't have your office in your house. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, people turn on them cameras and and some people were at home just looking wild crazy. And then uh, in early on, like supervisors particularly you know there's a uh the older generation so to speak they're very comfortable with seeing their employees senior management and Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. so they want to see people they want to be able to touch and it was people were trying to have cameras come on Mm -hmm. and you know it was a lot of tension from lower level folks being like hey man i don't want to 
turn this camera on and things like that. You know, but for me, I was IT. So I, I disabled my camera from the device manager. So you're not remotely <laughs> turning my camera on <laughs> if you, even if you want to. <laughs> but, Yo, I never thought about that. Oh my right, goodness. but so many things change. Like COVID, you know, COVID took a lot of lives, but I think COVID all changed every single person's life. Like, you know, how we do how we do things is so different now. Right? Even the whole concept of working in person, like I feel like now that organizations say that you can work remotely. I don't know. It's like, do we need to work in person? Like, do you prefer to go into the office or how do you feel about that? If, if I don't have to see you in person, if I could be comfortable at home, then yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see you. There's no reason. Like, cause we're going to be on the phone. Cause I'm like, you're, you want me to come into the office to sit in a room, in an office, closed door or in a cubicle mm. to do and answer phone. Cause it's not like we're, I don't do customer service where it's like, I interact with people at a at a counter, like you know, it's an office space, a corporate space. So, why would I want to sit in a cubicle when I can be at home, with the same computer setup, you know, and have all my needs there, right, right on spot? You know what I mean? Like, nah, I'm not. The mere mention of going back to the office makes me anxious. Like, what? You trying to do what? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense because you don't need to be in person. Right. Yeah. Right. That reminds me, like going into Manhattan, I've noticed a lot of businesses are closed and there's a lot more homeless people living in front of these closed businesses. Um, right. Like I always think about commercial real estate. Like, do you think there'll be a reemergence of, I don't know, people renting office space again? Or do you think they'll have to like repurpose the commercial real estate? You know, it's a... Uh... I don't, I don't renting, I don't see people renting office space at the magnitude that it was, right? So some of that commercial real estate, in my opinion, is going to have to be repurposed for other reasons. I think there's a, there's been a population shift, like a lot of people left New York City and they move into these suburban towns and rural towns. And I don't think they're coming back. <laughs> you know, they have remote jobs and they're making decent money. So it's like, why would I want to go there? So I don't know. I, I think it's going to have to, things have to change. I don't know if, because a lot of people are so much money tied up in real estate and commercial mm -hmm. real estate. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I can't see them just like changing it to residential. So, but I think at some point, I don't think nobody's coming back to the way it was. It's not going back to the way it was. I mean, and I can say that just based on the amount of money organizations spent to even get to where it is now, on the being able to work from home side mm -hmm. and then having two years of losses to account for, you know, everybody's looking to save money, you know? So the idea of letting go of office space and you're still meeting your, your bottom line every year with less money being spent in real estate, that makes sense. That makes sense for most businesses. That's so true. Yeah, why spend more money if you don't have to? Right, especially when you've taken losses for the last two years because of a pandemic it's out of control, you know? So I think things are shift. How and where they go, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> That's true, right? It's not over. There have been so many variants. Like, I, don't, I can't even keep track anymore. Like the Delta, I just remember Delta, Moo, because it's a funny name and um, 
Oh, the other one. Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember now. O- Omicron. Omicron. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you want to share about living and working during the COVID nineteen pandemic? Um, I think overall for me, COVID, uh, a lot of people retired, right? And this is like this is for me to do the most impactful and. Being IT, we're the last person people see, right? Well, second to last. You know, you'll see the CEO as you walk out the door or, you know, it depends on how you're leaving. <laughs> you know, if you're leaving on good terms, you'll see the CEO. If you're not, you know, you just see security. But <laughs> generally, <laughs> we're like the second to last people that you see because you have to turn in all the, all the equipment. So oh. COVID, a lot of people retired during COVID, right? And I got a chance to see people after working 20, 30 years and asking them, you know, you know, how was it? Like, is it, is it, was it worth it? And people were retiring. Cause like, I think COVID gave people that, that snapshot of reality. Like life is short type thing. Mm. Um, and, you know, everybody said, and these are people at my company that are retiring with, you know, seven figure portfolios, you know, these people are, 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 are doing well. And it's like, so was it worth it? And it was like, you know, we had the money, the sign a third, and everybody always laments on the time they lost, mm. right? They'd be like, yo, I gave 30 years to this place and, you know, my kids have graduated and it's just me and my wife or it's just me and, you know, you can't get that time back. Mm. So COVID for me just really made me reevaluate that, that American dream that we were sold as, as children that we go to school, graduate, work a job, retire, X, Y, Z, because you never really know. Like we're, we're averaging a, a major crisis every 10 years now. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's, these things are coming quick. And between the reality of, you know, uh, climate change and, you know, this pandemic and wars, and not to be like a Debbie Downer about it, but the idea, uh, 30, 40 years in the place, 40 hours, 50 hours a week and with the hopes that I'm going to survive and mm-hmm. and these folks have done it and they're not super happy about it. Mm-hmm. It really made me reevaluate, right? So just thinking about what I want to commit to and do I want to commit to this for the next 30 years, 40 years or so. Wow. So. You know, because when I think about you, I think about you are the American dream. You know, like you... You work full time, you own your own place, you're debt free, you have a business. Like, I feel like you are the model American. So to hear you talk about how you're th- just reevaluating your your life and where you want to go, like, that's fascinating. Right. And that's how I feel about it, too. Like, you know, because, like, it's I have come from a far place. Like, you know, we, we were five in a one bedroom. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So... Mm-hmm. You know, my mom worked like three jobs, quintessential HBO, you know, teardropper. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people would be great to be where I'm at. But, you know, looking at people who have done it, like, because you think when you don't have money, that money is the is the thing. Right. And COVID kind of just made me look at like money didn't save nobody for COVID. I'll tell you that, right. you know, didn't save Steve Jobs either. So it just made me like, reevaluate and seeing so many people that's what it was really because COVID gave me a very unique environment where I'm seeing like two or three people retire uh within uh 
every every couple of weeks for a year a year straight and just having these conversations over and over normally person retire maybe you get like one or two retirees a year right people like you know oh 20 years i'm out whatever whatever and you get your people that get like oh whatever right but covid everybody was like oh nah <laughs> you know i'm putting in papers if they had the time and you know when you, especially when the economy was bad because everybody's worried about layoffs and they didn't want to mess with any you know package that they may have already so they were like you know people will put in we're retiring in droves like i'm just gonna take it and go you know particularly if they were sick or and then you know some of those folks that retired ended up passing away but that you know it's not one other thing but i saw a lot of people and talked to a lot of people and everybody just kept saying the same thing like they can't get the time back you know and you you give yourself to like reports and and metrics and and all these things and and vacations and cars and houses mm-hmm. and and you work for it right and you pay for it and you do all these things but you lose time in working with family and friends and when people start to pass away and, and you start to look around at all your assets but you have no memories of family all your memories are with coworkers and and work events I think it's like, yo, is that a life that you live type thing, right? Mm. Or were you just like on a plantation your whole life? Oh, that's so true. That's profound. Right. Yeah. Well, that was COVID for me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. uh, So I'll just um, wrap this up and then stop recording so i want to say thank you to johan the american you can find johan at his own podcast conceded nobody it's so much fun to listen to like you get to hear two dudes from queens talk about everything really um do you want to talk about your podcast or sure sure yeah it was uh where i'm one half of conceded nobody i'm johan the american and my partner is red wonder uh and we're curbside commentators so, like, you know, we talk about things like this, uh, just general topics, current current events and things in our mind. If you think about, like, your family and you have those uncles or aunties that just got all the tea, like, we're, we're those people <laughs> just talking on a podcast. It's so funny. Y'all are so funny. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Appreciate you. So I follow y'all on um, iTunes. Mm-hmm. But conceded nobody was nobody is N O B O D I for anyone. Well, thank you, Johan the American. Um, and I'm Sonia J. Kilgrew, and this is Black America and COVID. <laughs>